I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. In Matthew 5, 38 through 42, it says, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Last time we started looking at the first couple of verses and we saw how what was happening in that society was you had this saying, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, which was something that was supposed to be applied in a court of law, then being taken down to the average everyday life, interpersonal conflicts, which was wrong. And I, there was something I, I found in Leviticus that just totally puts this to rest. It, it's, um, You'll find this very familiar because it's the the second greatest commandment, Leviticus 19.18. We've all heard the, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But right before that, it says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is getting at the heart of something when he says, but I tell you, Do not resist an evil person. Now, let's spend some more time with that. He gives three more examples right after that that point to the kind of heart we are supposed to have. The first is someone suing you to take your tunic. The second, being requisitioned. At that time, Romans could force someone to carry something for them up to a mile. Simon of Cyrene is an example of that. He's forced to carry Jesus's cross to Golgotha. Mm -hmm. The third example is of someone asking you for something. (laughs) No one likes to be wronged, inconvenienced, or even begged. On the one hand, should we enable every evil behavior and give charlatans and carn artists what they want? Or is Jesus advocating something else? What's he getting at here? What should our heart be? So I, I think one thing to bring up when we talk about these examples, uh, and I guess there's also the the, fir, the the zeroth one of when someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also, is that Jesus is being very subversive mm. here. Mm-hmm. And he is advocating for very subversive behavior. Now, it's not the subversive that we typically think of, which is using force in a subtle or not subtle way to get what I want. But in each of these examples, there's someone that's being taken advantage of. And the power dynamic is such that there's someone above and someone below. Mm -hmm. And Jesus speaks to the person below and he tells them to not resist, but he does it in a way that challenges the existing power dynamic. So if someone slaps you on the right cheek, you, you talked about this, 
mat. It's basically an insult because you have to do it with either the backhand, mm-hmm. basically the backhand because you're mm-hmm. right-handed. Most people yeah. are right-handed. And it's an assault to your identity. It's an assault to your pride. And you're standing there and you're looking at them and you turn the other one, right? You can say that, oh, you know, that person just being weak. But is that what a weak person does? Mm-hmm. No. no, a weak person no. would flinch and run away and instead, this person says, I see what you did. I see what you think of me. Let's just sit in that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you really think that way, you know, go all, go all out. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do that again. And it challenges the person who did this insult while still respecting them as a person and not retaliating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess just the other you know, the other one, if someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. It's probably hard for us to think about like people suing mm-hmm. each other for clothing because yeah. like <laughs> clothing's so cheap these days, but like, you know, go with it. Right. So there's someone's trying to take, I think coat is also like tunic and other mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. things. People didn't have much clothing back then. Right. So your shirt is like something you're wearing on top and your coat or your tunics, like I think basically your undergarments, um, point being, you don't have many clothes on your body. Clothes are really expensive. Yeah. So that someone's awkward trying dress. to take off that and you're, yeah, you're undressing, right? You're undressing in front of them to <laughs> oh, say, okay, just, just, you know, coat. here Thanks. you go. Right. It, it, it's subversive. It, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. It challenges the status quo. It challenges like, yes, I'm lower than you. Therefore you can take something from me. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important to bring that up because the, the claim Regardless of how we interpret this passage, the the easy uh, argument against it is you're just being a pushover, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. Jesus is not saying we're being a pushover. He just has different ways mm-hmm. of overthrowing the system. He's, he's right. not weak at all. Yeah, and and you know when you when you go to the somebody strikes you um, on one cheek and turn the other. So being weak in that situation could be cowering. Or falling on your knees, please don't hit me again. It could be running away. It it could be, I'm sorry, master, you're obviously I've offended you in some way. But it also could be striking back. And I think that's part of what Jesus is saying is that I, I love what you said about this being sub, subversive, because it really is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost like the the phrase of heaping heaping you know, having somebody heap hot coals on their heads by the way that you behave. Right. Uh, that you uh, you remove you remove their power or their perceived sense of power because by turning the other cheek, you essentially say that meant nothing to me. That yeah. that did not mean to me what it meant to you. Yeah. Yeah. You think that you're offending me. You can't offend me. I'm son of God. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, it's impossible for you to offend me. That's that's where the blessed is the meek really right. really comes into play. That idea of absorbing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is hard. This yeah. is really hard. This is super hard. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> you, is. You have sort of what you 
would want to do what you yeah. think is right to do, but then when you imagine the actual situation, yeah. you're like, would I really do that though? I, and if it was in my power, sometimes I think I would do more than I, you know, like that, what you were talking about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when I was a, I was working a really, really crappy job one summer and I was doing road paving. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'll tell you why it was crappy. They found out that I was going to college the next year. My mom was bragging about me at, with one of the, she saw them at the supermarket and, oh, hey, college boy. That's what I heard on Monday. <laughs> hey, heard you going off to college. And so then the the rest of that summer was hell. Uh -huh. Like they had a broken piece of machinery and they would take that one out. One of the, one of the sides where the asphalt would come out was broken and you had to shovel and they took that one out even though they had one that was fine and both wings worked fine. They took that one out so I could shovel nonstop. So I would remember what it was like to work. It, and I had so many bad thoughts in my head mm -hmm. that summer of wanting to get even fantasizing of right. retaliating. And um, man, the, when I, but when I look at this stuff, I think the one that gets me the most right now is the uh, someone asking for something? Yeah. You know, how many times do I see someone begging on the street, and I, I just want to pretend like I don't see them, and yeah. I just walk by, and I walk faster, or I pretend I don't see them at all? Mm -hmm. <sighs> Ultimately, I mean, I don't think it's good to give a con artist uh, what he's asking. I I don't think that's actually good. Um, I don't think it's helping his real needs, mm -hmm. and I, I think it uh, facilitates hurting others, including ourselves. But I think uh, in each of these examples, we're inconvenienced in some way. It's out of our comf comfort zone by extreme or small measures. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's you know someone trying to take something away from us, someone making us serve them, someone simply asking for help. Whether someone trying, forcing, or asking, our hearts should should be open to others around us. And I think that's the thing that, that I'm wrestling with is having that quality of heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it does come to a head with money in like this very mm -hmm. visceral way. Um, and I find, I find uh, the parallel passage in Luke very enlightening with this mm. uh, before that I think there, there's a pithy statement I heard once which I do think is actually useful to get what you're saying with the con artist Jesus doesn't say give to the one who asks you exactly what they asked <laughs> <laughs> he just says give to the one who asks you so there's some room yeah. <laughs> to yeah you know sometimes uh yeah there's a lot of creativity <laughs> that's there but he's saying don't turn away right mm. don't turn away from that person um and the oh right you know i was just thinking uh peter and and john are walking around was it john I yeah and hey uh give it hey we don't have Silver any money but uh, here's have. what we do yeah. have yeah exactly and share that, my faith with you that's like really cool and mm -hmm. but yeah so but in luke 6 um it kind of merges some of the do not resist an evil person section and the love for enemies section uh but it says if you love those who love you what credit is that to you even sinners love those who love them. If mm. you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And it says, if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Mm. Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting mm -hmm. to be repaid in full. 
And then it says, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Yeah. And so I've always thought that that's really challenging because mm. the love your enemies in Matthew 5, which we'll talk about, doesn't have a ton of specifics. This one really gets to the heart of mm, right. how I deal with my money and like, oh, yeah. oh, I can get taken advantage of with my money. Yep. And that's that's okay in Jesus' mind. That's a real good one because I've been in situations where I've lent to people and part of me is like, oh, I don't really have it. I really need them to pay it back. And mm-hmm. it's always been better when I've been able to just say, okay, I may not get this back. Right. And Okay. I'm all right with this. Yeah. And I, I love the way it's phrased there in Luke, do good to them. That even if you don't have money to give them, is there some good you can do? Mm-hmm. If Is there some good for you? That That is really, really helpful. Still hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 clarifies it and you 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 know when you read a passage that's really challenging and you hear something else that clarifies it there's something in me that always hopes it makes it easier right <laughs> but it actually doesn't make it easier it makes it a little bit it makes the, it 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 emphasizes what exactly the challenge is yeah if i'm walking down the street and someone asks me for money and i don't have any to give them I I shouldn't ignore them. I shouldn't pretend they're not there. I should do some good. And doing good, it's almost easier to just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep a couple of bucks in my pocket so that I can just <laughs> give it to them. Because yeah. doing good is difficult. It's hard. Yeah. So uh, let me ask another question. How, how do we apply Jesus's teaching here to our 21st century lives? Are there any examples that come to mind? Yeah, I think the the obvious example to me um, for our day and age, uh, especially because it's directly out of scripture, is uh, lawsuits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 9, uh, Paul's talking about lawsuits with between two believers. And he basically is like, how... How, how can you possibly, you know, sue one another as brothers and then bring that before some court that's not uh, that's not in the mm-hmm. church, yeah. right? Can't you judge cases for yourself? So, I mean, there's, there's going to be disputes between people. But then he kind of se- takes a step back in verse 7. And he says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. not rather yeah. be wronged? Yeah. Why not rather be cheated? Mm-hmm. Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. And this is the part that blew me away when I read this yesterday, that that's right before that section that we're, most people are much more familiar with. He says, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. And he lists all these really bad things. Mm-hmm. But it's like, this, for him, it's the exact same thought. It's the same, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That, yeah. And so that, that to me, I mean, we have so many lawsuits in our, in our culture. I like, know. it's know. just accepted. And I, I think, I don't know too many people myself who have been in a ton of lawsuits. I know some. That's probably just because I'm young, though, <laughs> and people don't really have any money when they're young. And so the older <laughs> I get, you know, the more that's going to happen. But uh, that mindset 
why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Mm -hmm. That is like completely different. It's the mindset of Mm non-retaliation. Right. Yeah. I I think for me, the way, the way that I've seen it is I see it a lot in, um, in work culture. Um, there's the phrase throwing someone under the bus. Ah, mm. Yes. And yeah. you always know when someone's throwing you under the bus. And for me, it's it's very difficult when I know that someone did that to me, called me out in a meeting. For instance, this is a very real example. This happens to me, has happened to me before and it's happened several times. Mm. Get called out in a meeting for something that I'm either, that I either actually did and should be maybe called out for, or more often than not, something that I didn't actually do, but being called out anyway. And how will I respond to that? And it's very easy for me to want to exact some kind of vengeance, Mm -hmm. but to do it properly. In other words, to find something that that person actually really did do that they really need to be called out for and to call them out for it, which I think is a violation of the spirit of what Jesus is talking about here. Um, and what I need to do and what, and when I'm in my right mind, when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm doing right and thinking spiritually like I ought to be doing, I say, you know what? Next time he's in the office, I'm gonna go down to his office and I'm just gonna do some good. I'm just gonna say hi. I'm just gonna visit with him. I'm going to not take what he threw out. I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm going to attempt to do some good, um, which I'd like to say I do that every time, but honestly, it's ju- it's just really hard. It's, it's hard uh, not to retaliate. Mm. And not only hard not to retaliate, but then to do the other thing, which is to do good. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't retaliate when he was going to the cross, but he also, you know, forgave the, the insurrectionists who were crucified beside him. He also, uh, you know, healed the servant whose ear was chopped off. He, he was doing all this good while all this undeserved evil was being thrown at him. And that's the example that he sets. Yeah. And, it, it, and you know, again, it's just, it's really challenging. It is challenging. When I was thinking about this, I made it a little bit more personal with um, how I had an epiphany when I, my wife and I started having uh, children. When my wife was pregnant with my first child, I, it suddenly dawned on me there's a piece of me in her mm-hmm. and she's going through all of this suffering uh, so that our child can be born. Mm-hmm. And you want me to do that for you, honey? Sure. You want me to drive to this place in Timbuktu that has your favorite ice cream? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I honestly didn't feel bad or inconvenienced mm-hmm. or put out or anything because I was like so grateful for her and wanted to just, oh I, my goodness, I love you. Let me, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. You're so uncomfortable. What can I do to help? And it got me thinking about, it's really that 
having that kind of a state of mind, I guess, with other people, I, I don't know how to do that. I'm not going to, that would be weird if I considered everyone like my wife, but, <laughs> but you know, like having a, maybe, uh, treating everyone that they've all been created in God's image. Maybe mm-hmm. some of them don't know that yet, um, that everyone has value mm-hmm. and opening my hearts to them, my heart to them. Um, the other thing I was thinking about was, this, um, it's a small story, but, uh, after my second child was born, um, I don't think he was fully, cooked before he got out of the oven. I think his intestines needed to stay in there a little bit longer and get some more cooking. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he would cry for like four hours straight every time he ate. And at the time, Netta was also going through severe postpartum. And so I, I had just remember this situation where I, you know, James is crying on my shoulder, inconsolable, uh, railing around and, and Netta's just told me something really heartbreaking that she was feeling. And then my, my son, my oldest son comes in, he looks pale and he's like, I don't feel good (laughs) all over me. Now I lived in a fraternity house for a while. If someone was puking, that was a signal, not no thanks. Mm-hmm. Go away. I'm nothing to do with you. Let me get out of this situation. That was not my heart when that happened. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, how can I take care of you? This is horrible. Let me, let me, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it was one where I was completely inconvenienced, and it was right. disgusting, right. yeah, and heartbreaking, and and emotional, and and just all kinds of things, but. My heart was never, this is, I don't like you. Or, you know, it was more like, no, I I do, I love you. So I don't know. I, I think there's something in that where we decide, we have decided, no, I, I really like this person. I mm-hmm. really, I love this person. I've decided to love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is where we can't separate, you know, these concepts of not resisting with loving. Um recognizing uh there's this just yeah recognizing that we're we're all in in one sense we are all brothers and sisters right mm-hmm. like there's not not everyone is a follower of Christ but we've all come from we all come from God mm-hmm. and it is especially when you live in the city and you see so many people on a day-to-day basis uh, and the internet makes that much easier where mm-hmm. it's just like so much that comes at us, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people or ideas in a day. It's so easy to just shut it off. Like I, I can't, I can't even imagine carrying, caring, caring for, uh, you know, these people, but, uh, that does seem to be the call mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that Jesus is making. Well, what do you think is the ultimate solution then to all this suffering that Jesus describes? He's talked about the stinging insult, the, you know, someone trying to grab, sue you, the disrespectful compulsion, you know, forcing you to do something or just the uncomfortable asking for stuff. What do you, what do you think is, how do we, what's the solution to all of this? You know, it, it, again, this this 
is an indication to me of how how challenging it is to follow the example of Christ mm. and how much I need God, how much I need his Holy Spirit in me, how much I need to uh, do everything that I can to stay in tune with the Spirit, and mostly how much I need the community. Again, how much I need the church, meaning all of the people in it, that I know that who I am, I am not going to be able to live this out by myself. And so I need I need my brothers and sisters to be able to point out to me when I'm falling short. I need the examples of my brothers and sisters to be able to see ways that I can change or ways that I can implement. I need I I need all of that. I think the only way that we can get to a solution in in this area is through God, his Holy Spirit, and the church. I just don't think that there's another way to do it. I, I, you know, I suppose that maybe there's somebody out there who has uh, moral strength enough to be able to do that on their own. But I only know for sure that there was one person who did that. And... I've never seen I've never seen anybody with my eyes living a perfect life. And this is this is a passage that calls us to a height that we can't possibly attain as individuals. Yeah. Yeah, there is something that it reminds us of how incomplete we are mm-hmm. and how much we need Jesus. I think that's the the thing I was thinking of too is that Um, And in Jesus, we see that he's suffered for our sins and puts an end to all of our need for or desire for revenge. Mm -hmm. It's really his example that we're looking to. Yeah. And when we keep our eyes focused on him, it it helps. It helps put out that fire inside of us that says, get even, get, Mm -hmm. you know, I need to get even. And it helps put that out. Yeah. I mean, when we suffer because someone is genuinely, they're sinning against us, right? And that's where suffering comes from. And the our desire to retaliate and get revenge is, it comes up so quick and it can feel like if I don't get revenge here, justice will not be served. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But also if, if we continue to seek revenge, then we get into the eye for an eye makes the whole world go mm. blind, which I th- did. I think Gandhi said that, but that might have just been a movie that, but I think, I think that's not just a bumper sticker, uh, but it's I can't a, really it's remember. It's a pretty pithy bu- bumper sticker. It's a pithy right? bumper sticker. But yeah, so I mean, there's this one line it comes at the end of a passage in first Peter, but it's the end of first Peter four. And it just says, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Yeah. And it comes right after the section of that, that there is going to be a time where judgment's going to come. And, uh, God, God will make all things right. 
there will be finally be justice and that I can trust God to bring justice. And my role in all of that is to not just to mete out vengeance in the short term, but to, to do good in the meantime. And mm. I mean, yeah, that's really easy to say, but mm-hmm. man, I, when you guys are talking about, and you especially were just like, I need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I need the spirit for this. Like, yeah. I, it, this is the, how easy it is to say these words and how hard it is to walk out of this room and put it into practice. Right. Yeah. But, but this is, I think the calling to, you know, we, we, we entrust ourselves to God and we say, you know, what's best you know how this is all going to work out. I trust that I am going to be okay with you, even if the short term doesn't feel okay, and I'm going to mm-hmm. continue to do good. I like that you mentioned First Peter. A lot of that has to do with suffering, and a lot of it talks about the passions that wage war against our soul. We've we've talked about that passage before, and and I, it's got that great passage where we see Jesus's example of entrusting himself to Him who judges justly, and. Part of this is just taking it out of our hands and putting it back on God and mm-hmm. trusting him. And if we're, if we're being hurt or taken advantage of, we, we trust God and we know he sees it. Right. And so he's allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we trust him and we keep moving forward and we have an open heart even when things don't really work out the way we want. We don't want to be like Esau, right? Mm-hmm. Who sold his birthright. He didn't have the long in, in mind. He just reacted to those passions that welled up inside of him. It reminds me too of, of there's a passage in James that, uh, you know, he asks what, what causes fights and quarrels among you, right? Isn't it, they come from your desires that battle yeah. within mm-hmm. you. So this is, doing, this is doing battle with those desires that are within us and yeah. by trusting God. This has been a great discussion. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you.